and you just watch as all of your rights get peeled away from you. Being a person who has just said, I want to kill myself, and then the process of being checked into a psych ward. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis Gant. Mark and I are blown away by the tremendous support on the heels of our 150th episode. We're excited to welcome thousands of new subscribers and wanted to share a few of our past listener favorites. Thank you again for subscribing, favoriting, and sharing. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Please note that this episode contains topics of suicide. Some people may find it disturbing. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. The best way to support the show is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or ratings on iTunes, please do. It helps more people find our show. And if you want to be on it, please shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves and others. You know, those deep, dark secrets we probably want to go to our grave with are those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Rick. Now, Rick, I have a question for you. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) What is your secret? Oh... Oh. My secret, can I preface this a little? Can I get into a little talk about why I'm doing Yeah, this? you can do, this is your moment. You do you. Okay. All right. This is a secret I would take to my grave, except for those very, very close to me. But I think with the temperature of our planet right now, what's going on in our world and our society and with friends, I, it's got to be spoken of. And, you know, there's there's so much mental illness going on right now and people don't know what to do. Yeah. So my secret is that uh, only about four months ago, I had a mental breakdown and was very, very close to committing suicide and got checked into a psych ward. Wow. So this yeah. happened four months ago? Yeah, it was about yeah, it was about four months ago, four four to five months ago. Um, can can you tell us what was going on in your life? I know with this pandemic, everybody is feeling these feelings that they have never felt before. But what got you to this place? Okay, so it had nothing to do with pandemic. Um, last year, I got diagnosed with cancer, and I, oh. I it was in the midst of of making a bunch of new plans for. Uh, you know, I was moving. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had new work. Um, it was it was a very exciting time. I had all this stuff going on. I was in a relationship, and my girlfriend and I were moving together to this new city mm-hmm. and to start to start a new business. And I get just randomly, I I have this test done, and I have cancer, oh, and wow. I had very aggressive prostate cancer. That must have stopped you in your tracks. Everything just uh, like went. Ah! Oh yeah, completely. Uh, uh, you know, a hundred percent. It's just like hitting a brick wall. It's like, wait a minute, what is going on? It's like, I don't have, I don't have time for this. 
You know, first of all, I got a lot of plans going on. Yeah, I got a lot going on. (laughs) I don't have time for this, Nate. Nobody got time for this. You know, Um, cancer, what are you talking about? Did you have any like symptoms? It was just, was it blindsided? I was blindsided. I, you know, it's something I, it it runs in my family, you know, and I've had uh, three members of my family with prostate cancer. So it's something that I've just kept an eye on for, you know, the last 10 years or so. And so I had, I had a test done, just a simple blood test. And and my doc said, Hey, you know, your scores are a little high, your PSA, why don't we do a biopsy? And I said, why don't we just forget about it? <laughs> You're like, no, thank um, you. I'd rather not. No, because I won't even explain what a biopsy is like of, of your prostate. It's just, oh, it, oh, it's horrible. I've heard it's, it's horrible. horrible. I've heard oh it's horrible. God. It is horrible. So I had it done. And then, you know, so, okay, thank God the biopsy's done. And I was, and I was feeling very confident. I was like, I'm, I'm sure that I'm going to be fine. And then three days later, you know, we're in preparations for moving and we're packing and, we, you know, people are at the house helping us out. And I get a phone call from the clinic and I'm like, oh, this is my doctor telling me, you know, that I'm cool. And he said, hey, um, normally I'd have you come into the office, but, you know, I just, I'm just going to tell you, it's like, you've got really bad cancer. I was oh, like, no. oh, jeez. So your, your mortality comes into question. Yeah, everything. Um, my, you know, everything I have planned. And then with prostate cancer, there's a lot of other stuff that goes along with that. You know, it's just like, it's life changing. Okay. Yeah. It's the, the treatments, all of it, it's life changing. So I was really, really scared. Mm -hmm. And, and I had a little bit of a meltdown then, but I pulled it together. And with the help of my girlfriend, we said, let's, we're going to get through this. Let's right. just do whatever we need to do. Let's get the move done. Let's get to this new city and then let's start the process. So we did that. So we moved and I'm thinking I have cancer, I have cancer, I have cancer. And all my plans for starting my new business got put on hold because now I'm a cancer patient and I'm living in a new city and I've got to get a medical team together. I, you know, I've got, I've got to get in the schedule for treatment. And it was decided that I would just have surgery. They were going to forego any kind of chemo or radiation because I, my cancer was so far advanced. Oh, and they wow. were just going to, they were going to go in and just take it, take out. it all out, take all the yep. cancer cells out. All of it. Take the prostate, take all the cancer, take a bunch of lymph nodes, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So I actually, for a while was very positive and I, and I went to a plant-based diet. I was meditating every day. I was doing positive things. Um, I was really keeping it together, but I was, you know, I was a cancer patient. So work got put on hold, everything. And then um, in January, I had the surgery and something happened to me on the day of that surgery that I went from all this positive energy to complete negativity and thinking that my life was over and that I'm going to die. So when you were going to the hospital to have the surgery, is that when those thoughts started closing in on you? Yep. And I had a meltdown on the way to the hospital. And, you know, I've had a lot of surgeries in my life because I've had a lot of injuries. And, you know, I'm used to hospitals. I'm used to surgery. I don't have any problem with it. But something about cancer. Yeah. And 
removing your prostate uh, scared the hell out of me. And it just changed, it all changed right there. And I remember being, I'm being wheeled into the operating room and I see my surgeon and I, and I say hello to him and I just busted into tears. Mm. Like in the, in the operating room, I'm just bawling. And I said, I remember saying, I think I need a Valium. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, you know, three seconds later, I was out, you know, but it, it started this whole thing. Now, I then had um, a very, very rough recovery. And um, how long was total, that recovery? It, I was in bed for nine weeks. Mm. And I had I had some complications. And I had two friends that had gone through this surgery. And I was talking to them almost on a daily basis. And they, you know, they were my cancer coaches, right? And they'd been through this, and they went through it pretty easily. And they were kind of back to their lives within three or four weeks. And, you know, everything was fine, but I did not have that experience. And, um, you know, I was bleeding a lot. I had tons of pain. Um, I could barely move. Um, and I was just getting more and more depressed. Yeah, and I can, I was, if, if I can imagine after I had a baby and had these surgeries, and mine had complications too. I felt that exact same way. I felt so hopeless and alone. Is that yeah. how you felt? Yeah. And you're like laid up and you can't do anything. You can't take care of yourself. Right. And, and I just, what I wanted was for my girlfriend just to come and sit down on the bed and talk to me and just tell me that it was okay. But I guess that I was just so negative and just dark and vile that she, she couldn't be around me but she was taking care of all of my needs, you know? And at that point, you know, I hadn't worked in months and months and months. And so she was dead. She was supporting us at that point, you know, cause it, it also cost us so much money to move. It's just like, you know, I needed to move and then start work right away. Yeah. But you know, I had, I had, I moved and then got a time out, you know? And so she's supporting us. Um, she's taking care of all my physical needs but I could feel her separating from me emotionally. And I felt so alone. And she's like, Oh my God, you know, I just had my prostate taken out. Um, I hope they got all the cancer. I won't know yet for a while. Um, I'm in bed. I, I don't have the strength to get out of bed. And, and frankly, I just, I kind of gave up. It's just like, maybe I don't want to get out of bed. Right. And so then about four weeks into my recovery, I'm still in pretty bad shape. I'm still in a lot of pain. Um, I'm downstairs watching TV. At least I can move around the house now. I'm getting some walks in. I've gone out a couple times walking the dogs. I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, I'm sitting down on the couch, and my girlfriend says that our relationship is over. Oh, knife and I'm like, in heart. And twisting. Right, twisting like grinding. Yeah, let's just dig it around for a little bit. See, right? So, I, and I and I thought she was kidding. I was like, "Baby, that's not funny." And she said, "I'm serious." And <sighs> I, I know that I, a friend of mine who had been to the house and had seen me, he said, "Dude, you were really dark, and you just kept everybody away." Because I understand that you were going through a hard time, and I don't remember any of it. You know. I well, don't probably because you were just in that pain and in, you know, trying to heal. You probably weren't in reality. 
No, no, because all these things that she said that I had said and the way I acted, I remember none of it. And it's mm -hmm. like my brain protecting me from itself, you know? Right. Because we tend to forget about really, really bad things in our lives. And that's just, you know, that's our brain's way of, of protecting us. From and the trauma. Yeah. So I don't remember any of this. And, and she just said, I can't be with you anymore. And, you know, I don't know if it like, okay. So when you have your prostate taken out, it, it changes things for you sexually. Yeah. Right. So just like when you have that. a baby too, it changes. Okay. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. Yeah. And, you know, and I, consider myself a young active guy and uh, now I'm lumped into this group of old men right right and feeling really really sorry for myself and so the relationship is now over and I flipped out I flipped out and I didn't do anything physically but I did yell and scream um, I got in my car and I wasn't supposed to be driving but I got in my car and I drove around and I stayed away from the house for about 12 hours. And I told her when I was leaving, you'll never see me again. Mm. So now let me back it up a little bit. Um, I have a diagnosis of bipolar two. I have had bipolar depressions before where I wanted my life to just be over and stop, but I never, I never actively thought about killing myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been, I've been there. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So I've, you know, I had times where I just didn't want to be on the planet anymore. And yeah. I wish I would just vaporize. Yeah. I used to say that I, I don't want to kill myself. I just don't want to be here anymore. Exactly. So those thoughts I've learned to deal with and I identify them and I check them when it happens. And I, and I talk to my therapist about them when they do. Well, this time around, it's like, I really wanted to end my life. It's like, I just had cancer. Um, I may never have sex again. Uh, I haven't worked in three quarters of a year and my relationship just ended. Mm -hmm. What do I, what do I have to live for? Nothing, nothing. So I didn't kill myself that day, but I didn't come home for about 12 hours and she was blowing up my phone. Are you okay? Are you okay? I'm scared about you. And I didn't respond and I did show back up at the house and I went and slept in the spare bedroom and mm -hmm. I didn't speak to her. And for two days, I didn't talk to her. And um, uh, what I wanted to do was first just burn down the house. I mean, I really wanted to, wanted to get the animals out and wait till she left. And then I wanted to burn down our house. Blow it all up. Yeah, I was in that, I was in that much pain. Right. And I didn't know what to do. I, I never felt self-hatred. I, I don't know. And, and, and just felt so sorry for myself. And it's just like, I can't take, I've been through a lot, you know, and yeah. I, I've, I've suffered injuries. I've suffered pain. I've suffered heartache. I've been, you know, I've gone through divorce. I've gone through bankruptcy, all these things, but there was nothing like this experience. It was like and everything just fell at once all on top of you and you couldn't on, find your way out of it. That one bit, I couldn't, I couldn't move. I couldn't budge. And I was seeing a therapist and it's just like, I don't want to tell him what's going on. I know what he'll do. Um, 
but I went and saw him anyway. And, and I told him, mm-hmm. I mean, there was a part of me that wanted to save my life. Yeah. You know, there was something there was a, bigger than what you were stuck in that, that was carrying you to the doctor. Totally. Because I told this guy how I felt. And he said, well, you put me in a very interesting uh, position here. And I said, what's that? He goes, well, either I make the call or you agree to check in. And I just, I was like, no, 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 God, no. He's going to have 5150 me. I can't bear that embarrassment. Um, And I just said, all right, find the place. I'll go. And I knew I needed help. I knew I was darker than I'd ever, ever been before. Mm -hmm. And he got on the phone, he made the arrangements and I went home and, and packed a little weekender bag, you know, and, uh, going on a vacation. (laughs) Totally. And I, I drove myself to the facility and I checked in and, um, that in itself is one of the most humiliating experiences of my life. Being a person who has just said, I want to kill myself. And then the process of being checked into a psych ward is just absolutely humiliating. And you just watch as all of your rights get peeled away from you. Right. But I have to tell you, while you're telling me the story, all I'm feeling right now is so much empathy and love for you taking that step. Because not many people would take that step. You might be right. I I, I think it's beautiful. Honestly, like when you're telling me I am seeing you as this like glorious person that's saying I need help. But you know what's weird is how come that's that doesn't seem as attractive as to just checking out and then having people talk about you afterward. You know, there's there's almost like this sick beauty in taking yourself out and having people talk about you. It's like, oh, that was so sad. That was so sad. Oh, we miss him. He was the best human. All right? the glorification of your funeral, what people will say about you. But exactly. I actually but I actually see that as sad. And the other thing you're describing that you did as a human saying I need help and walking into those doors and signing those papers is more beautiful to me than taking your life and having a funeral with a bunch of flowers and people mourning you. No, I, I agree with you. You're absolutely right, but it's just not as glamorous. You oh know? yeah. No, it's never as glamorous. <laughs> you know, I was going to, I was going to go out in a big way. I was going to do about 180 miles an hour on my bicycle and either the back end or the front end of an 18 wheeler, oh. you know? I was going out in glory, babe, and that's exactly what I was going to do. So, you know, now I'm in a psych ward, and I just told somebody that I wanted to kill myself, and there was truth in the statement. Right. So how was that? How long were you there for? I was, I was in there for five days, and I knew, I knew on day one that I, <laughs> I did not belong there. Because nah. <laughs> it was full on 
one flew over the cuckoo's nest. And I, you know, I was a little bit different in that I was there voluntarily, right? you know, but in the first two or three days, you're not treated any differently from anyone else, you know, until they get the caseworkers in, until the psychiatrist comes in, until all these people come in to interview you and talk to you. And you say the same thing over and over and over. It was humiliating. It was humiliating. And so let me just add one more element to the whole picture. Um, I'm also wearing a diaper because of the surgery. Right. Uh, I lost control of my bladder. And I actually, I had to wear a diaper for months after that surgery. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm in a psych ward. I'm getting checked in. And one of the things they have, they do is they strip you naked. Yeah. And they look, they look at every scar and every mark and, you know, and everything on your body for, you know, for liability reasons, I'm sure. Because if you get your, if you get hurt there, they want to say, no, that scar was already there, you know? Um, and so they, you know, they're telling me to get naked. And I said, I can't. And they're like, no, you have to take your underwear off. It's like, I will pee all over myself if I take my diaper off. Sure enough, they made me do it. And, you know, I, I gave them the result that I told them that I was, yeah. <laughs> God, I know that's yeah. not funny, but the way you just said oh. it was really funny. Well, I'm glad you could see the humor in it because I just was like, I'm naked and I'm peeing on the floor and I've got these two people looking at my And you're in a psych ward and you checked yourself yeah. in and everything is so bleak and oh. nothing. I mean, now that you just put all that together, I understand how embarrassing, how devastating it is. And I always like to attach these kind of secrets to the seven deadly sins. So I'm going to name them for you and let me know if any of them ring true. So we have okay. pride, greed, <laughs> lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. Pride, lust, because I don't get to have it anymore. Right. Um, anger I was so mad I was so mad because why did this happen to me why am I the guy that had to get cancer yeah you know why did my relationship fail you know it was just I, w I was losing it just like I don't deserve this I was in such a victim mode through the whole thing you know and that victim mode hit that morning on the way to the hospital to have the surgery mm. and you know so for the next you know few months i was a victim and i didn't deserve this and were you angry at your you know we like to say your god or your higher power were of you cursing at god because i remember when i was at my lowest lowest point i was like saying fuck you god fuck you yeah. why did you make me this way i'm like broken <laughs> Yeah. If you want to kill me, just fucking do it. Don't yeah. make me suffer. Don't make me suffer. Just get it over with, man. Here, let me help you. Right. Yeah. I was mad at God. But um, there's something interesting about both of us saying that because also that moment for me was the moment where I got to turn everything over. It felt like everything was stripped from me that I could then like heal. Yes. So it was probably day three of being in the psych ward that I realized that my girlfriend may have just done me a favor. Mm. Oh my God. I just got chill bumps. 
<laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my God, because I had been so negative, so glass half empty, so dark. It's just like, maybe this is the only thing that will get my attention. You know, it was a tough love moment. Yeah, definitely. It was tough love. And, you know, like I she think, loved you enough to leave you. Exactly. And I've done that with people who are, you know, active addicts. It's just like, I love you too much to watch you die. Therefore, I'm letting you go. Mm. And it made sense. It's like the bell rang. I got it. In that moment, I also realized that there are two people in my life that caused me great harm and damage that I never forgave. And I never, I was holding on to my resentment and my anger against these two people, one being my dad and one being my ex-wife. Can you explain why? Well, my dad... My dad was very abusive. Um, we had a horrible relationship. Uh, my dad was never, ever nice to me mm. and, you know, verbally abused me, physically beat me, um, was not a good guy. And I thought that I had done the work to let him go and forgive him. And it came to me that I had not. And the other was my ex-wife who, who dragged me through this horrible two-year-long divorce trial mm-hmm. and you know, said things about me in court that were not true, that I then had to prove that weren't true, which just cost money, you know, and destroyed my reputation and, and all this stuff. And I I thought I'd worked through it and let her go, but I realized I hadn't. And I was holding on to massive hatred. And I, now I was adding to it with this new girlfriend situation and her, her leaving me. It was just like, if I'm going to continue on this planet, I have to let all of that go. Yeah, because and those resentments, they are, I believe, what causes disease in our body and causes us all that pain. Bingo. So I could have brought this cancer on myself. I mean, I who knows? totally could have manifested it because truthfully, I, I was pretty negative for, for several years after my divorce. Wow. You know, had had, and I, even I remember my girlfriend saying to me, "You know, when are you going to let let your dad go?" And it's just like I have. <laughs> She's it. like, "No, you have it," and you're like, "I have," <laughs> like exactly. raging in the corner. <laughs> I told you I dealt with it. Get over it. Yeah. <sighs> so I I could have brought the cancer on myself. You know, so I did five days on a psych ward. Um, a lot of one-on-one sessions with uh, with the psychiatrists and the caseworkers and all that. And um, here's the, okay, here's another thing. So, you know, yeah. I said earlier that I had, you know, I've been diagnosed bipolar too for a long, long time. A few years ago, I went through a medical protocol and got off of all the medication. And it's like, you know, I'd been on medication for so many years. I want to see if I can handle life without it. And mm-hmm. I was doing really well. And I went maybe two years without medication. And I always said, if there's ever a need, I will happily get back on medication. Well, getting diagnosed with cancer was the need, but I ignored it. And you didn't get back on the medication. I, I didn't, I didn't get back on medication. I didn't even think of it. And that chemical imbalance probably just amplified. 100%. 100%. It's like my depression came back, you know, exponentially. And I should have been on medication once I got diagnosed, and I was not. 
So while in treatment, while in the psych ward, they got me back on medication again. And, uh, you know, it's, um, and I'd never been on this one before and it was, and it's great. And I'm still on it and I'm doing really well. Uh. But all of that happened to get me to deal with my own bullshit, to deal with my dad, to deal with my ex-wife, and to get grateful again, because I had not been grateful in quite some time. I know, to get grateful about those little things, you know, the smell of a flower outside, or it's sunny, Yes, feeling the sun on your skin. Those things are the moments when we are in the darkest place and can sometimes snap us out. Yep. So I started taking walks. All right. So when I got out of the psych ward, I got back home. My girlfriend was gone and she was staying with a friend. And for the next six weeks, she continued to stay with that friend and stay away from me. So I was there in the house, just me and the, and the dogs mm-hmm. and me being forced to take care of the dogs. And it got me out into nature again. And I started to get positive and I started to feel gratitude and I would, and I would listen to birds and I was I was doing my meditation again I was doing 20 minutes of meditation outside every morning you know I was communicating with nature again and yeah. getting grateful and honestly I felt some hope that she would see the change and get back together with me so that was that was almost like a stimulus for doing the whole thing or an incentive right. for doing it well Needless to say, it didn't go that way. <laughs> it normally but, never does. <laughs> yeah, but at least I was holding on to that. And and I wasn't doing it for the reason of getting her back, but it was it was a hope that I had. You know, right. I was staying in hope. And things changed for me. You know, I, I did spend a total of nine weeks in bed. Um, um, I, you know, I finally got feeling better and I was taking a couple of, two mile walks a day and feeling really good. And, you know, this horrible thing that happened to me with the, the cancer, the breakup, the COVID, the psych ward, I have found a wonderful experience in all of that. Mm. So I guess that's why I'm sharing it. You know, the darkest time of my life turned me around and put me on one of the best paths I've ever been on. Wow. Well, my last question for you is if anyone is going through a dark time, do you have any words of wisdom or how they can move forward? I would say share it. Mm. Don't keep it in. You've got to tell somebody. If you really want to, if you really want to have help, if you want to get help, don't wait for people to help you. Ask them for the help. Don't keep secrets. That's what I guess that's what's so cool about your podcast <laughs> is that, you know, we're letting the secrets out and we all have them. All of we us. All, we all share these things that we think nobody's going to understand, you know, yeah. we have the secrets. And so I, especially when it comes to mental health, talk about it. Talk about it. It takes away, you know, the alone, the pressure, everything. It mm-hmm. just like releases it where you don't hold it anymore. Yeah. You know, you do find your, you find the other people that share the same diagnoses, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, there's a fellowship there and it's like, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And there is help. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your secret with us. I'm, I'm, I think I'm happy about it. <laughs>
(laughs) (laughs) You'll let me know later. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thank you again for listening to Secret Life Podcast. Please subscribe, share, send me a note, and you can always support the show with a donation on our site, secretlifepodcast.com. Until next time, bye.